time. Okay, we are live. Episode 161. We've got a good one for you on the week of Expo West 2023. So that's great. This will probably uh, air in a few weeks posted. So maybe there'll be some fun stuff in between. Yada, yada. Uh, Jason Burke, uh, New Primal, welcome to the show. Alex Sunshine, Rising Suns Agency. Hello. Pleasure to be here, guys. Jason, let's get into it. Uh, New Primal, give us the give us what the company is about. When did it start? Anything we should know to get this going? Yeah, well, well first of all, I, I wish I had a last name like Sunshine. It could come up with a really <laughs> great bit brand name like Epic. Rising Sun. It just kind of makes so much sense. Epic. Um, yeah, look, we make we make low low sugar pantry staples and snacks. Um, you know, using real food ingredients that still taste good, but. Yeah, this thing started on my kitchen counter 12 years ago. Uh, both my parents got sick and both were uh, related to diet and lifestyle. And I said, well, how do I make sure that's not me? So I started making my own food and my own desk snacks. And the one that disappeared from my desk most frequently was my homemade beef jerky. And I finally made people start paying me for it. Um, with that accent, just for fun, you're not from California. Uh, where where are you? Where, where did this start? Where is this residing as far as uh, the, the corporate office? Do I have an accent? You got a tan. Uh, you have a tan. You have a good tan. <laughs> way better than mine. I'm in I'm in California. And look at this. Listen, I mean, man, what is yeah. this? Anyway, go ahead. Listen, sometimes you just got to go outside. I know. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> It's hard, it's hard not to. You know, um, I grew up in Florida, but uh, the business was started in Charleston, South Carolina. I lived there for 15 years. Um, and so our, our corporate office is in Charleston. So maybe that's where some of the some of the non-Californian accent is coming from. Uh, today, I reside full time in Nashville, Tennessee, but our team is kind of spread out nationally. Okay, so let's start in the beginning. Um, so it, it, it's I know it's still out market. So it's the stable, the, the core of the company is uh, it's jerky and what, like sort of describe what are we talking about jerky is it sticks and the like give it give us sort of that that picture yeah look we we started with grass-fed beef jerky that was what we the first thing we ever launched we made we make we made a, a a trail mix version of that early on we don't make what you would call whole muscle cut jerky anymore we just make meat sticks uh so today on the meat snack side of what we do it's all meat sticks so they're either full size no sugar one ounce you know portable meat sticks or little mini sticks for kids, uh, which are the first and only of its kind in the marketplace where we've got these little mini snacks, you know, that are specifically designated with flavor profiles um, for kids. Um, and there's an entirely separate side of the business that where we make pantry staples of low sugar sauces and seasonings and condiments. Let, let's get into that. So, um, and, and some will, will bring it up, up and you can do it now. So new, new primal, that's going be like, wait, is it noble made? So you're going to define that for us, where, what is the difference? And then walk us through the transition of the business and when it was as far as the, the meat business and then transitioning into seasoning and sauces. Yeah, look, totally. So um, the, uh, there are two sides of the house. Today we are, you know, press release went out earlier today to formally kind of announce that we've split the two brands. The new primals dedicated specifically to, to meat snacks. And we have a whole other brand called Noble Made uh, where, we, where we make pantry staples. And uh, what, what ties everything together is kind of this low sugar platform. We're kind of on this mission to stamp out sugar in the food system. Um, but, you know, you know, real food ingredients with no sugar, you got to still make sure it tastes good. So we sort of stand on that pillar. But look, man, I, you know, I've been doing this for, for plus 10 years and I, I did not have a background in consumer products. When we were trying to scale up making beef jerky uh, across a couple of different manufacturing facilities, we couldn't get the product to be consistent. 
And so the big challenge with, with that uh, we thought was the, the two different facilities that were making our product were mixing the ingredients on site and maybe they were swapping out a different brand or a different speck of you know, lemon juice or garlic powder. So in, in all of our wisdom, we said, why don't we make the recipe or the marinade for beef jerky separately and ship it in? And so we put this thing into five gallon buckets, which, you know, make it a different facility, ship it in. And um, we were getting all these samples at our office. And one of our guys took it home one weekend. was like, dude, I had a bunch of grilling to do. I'm going to take these samples of this marinade. I'm going to use it to grill. And we all laughed at him because we thought, well, how can you use a beef jerky recipe to grill your chicken and all these other things? And he, he kind of like on Monday brought in, the, brought in a bunch of, of meat and said, hey, joke's on you guys. Check this stuff out. Uh, and it was delicious. And so I had a relationship with one of the regional Whole Foods buyers. And uh, he was, you know, sort of, you know, really kind of a true believer, fortunately for us. And I shipped him a couple of bottles of the stuff and said, hey, will you cook with this and give me real kind of candid feedback? Mm -hmm. And uh, he did. He loved it uh, and asked if we were going to launch it. We're like, I don't know. We make meat snacks. I don't know if we want to do that. Um, a few weeks later, he gets a, a promotion, uh, moves to Austin and becomes a global category manager at Whole Foods. And his first category is condiments. And then he calls me up and says, hey, guess what? I moved to Austin. Here's my new job. I like that marinade that you sent to me. You know, do, do you want to launch it? And I was like, well, well, well maybe. So I think you should come to Austin. Let's have a meeting. So I flew to Austin, of course. I'm not going to say no to this. And I, we, we sit down. We have a meeting. We spend an hour in the room, four or five people kind of. And essentially, we said, okay, uh, we got three marinades. Uh, we have a classic that models after our classic beef jerky, a spicy, which modeled after our spicy beef jerky. And I said, well, we can't just put two on the shelf. We should at least put three. Let's make one that's, you know, maybe more fish or poultry centric, let's call it citrus herb. And we literally did this in the meeting. And, um, and then he said, great, the category resets in three months, you've got basically about 30 days to commercialize this, get a label on it, get it ready to go and ship to, to the distributor. Um, and so our first national launch at Whole Foods was a marinade product. Long story short, it performed really well. They called us back six months later and said, what's in your innovation pipeline for, for sauces and, and, and condiments? And we said, nothing. We make beef jerky. And they said, well, we think you should. And here's some opportunities. And we started collaborating. And then suddenly, you know, within an 18-month period, we had eight products on the shelves at Whole Foods Nationally that were not in the meat snack category. And, uh, and so we went, holy cow, we suddenly have a whole separate kind of brand over here. If we you know, cross this category further and go into dressings and other things, do we still call it new primal? Do we still, do we still want it to be kind of that aggressive or do we need to kind of rethink about how we think about this entire brand? And so that started this kind of slow multi-year process of, you know, what do we call it? How do we position it? You know, do, do the consumers cross shop and all of those things. And I think we've discovered that, you know, some of all that exists, but I just felt like the word primal was too aggressive for the category. There might be an, another brand that already plays in condiments and dressings with, with one of those names. And, and we felt like the word noble um, could speak really to the character of the product and the ingredients inside of it. And so, you know, today we're fully separated uh, in how we run the two operations um, and, you know, giving both brands the platform they deserve. Interesting. I, I did not know the story. I think it'll be fun for anybody who listens to that. They can rewind it and take those few minutes and listen to how, how they sort of morphed into by chance, by basically uh, luck, timing, God's grace, and of course, the um, the foundation of having a company and people that a partner could go to and discuss opportunities. Um, I think that's. I think it not only hap it happens a lot more. I think than people realize. 
uh, but it only happens to certain people and or groups because there is that um, requirement and, and the need for the person on the other end of the table, i.e. the founder and or the team behind that to be able to execute. Um, and and it, this goes into the bigger picture of just life in general, as far as when it talks about business, is it's all about execution. Uh, it's it's all about execution. All the other stuff is so ancillary. I, I just said this to a friend this weekend. We're looking at something and um, and you could hand the playbook like like I could write out the entire playbook, you two of like how you could potentially win in this space. Right. And hand yep. it to like 50 people. Forty eight are going to fail. Because it's literally the execution. It's that and just having the, being the ability to be long-winded because this takes time and it sucks a lot of it. So uh, anyway, that's a whole other uh, st topic. Yeah, Mark, there's a, there's a guy, I, 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 I don't know who it was. I've, I've probably used it three or four times, so I consider it mine now. But someone said, someone really, maybe, I don't know, someone far more accomplished than I will ever be said, uh, I, ideas are easy, execution is hard. And um, I think you're spot on. In fact, I said that on a panel recently on stage somewhere and people quoted me and I'm like, I'll take it. But someone way smarter than me said that, but it's exactly true. It's, it's far harder. And I think there almost has to be a level of stubbornness uh, in you uh, as you continue to execute and just, you just won't give up and you won't quit despite how many times you get knocked down. I think to kind of, to win in any space, you know, which is specifically consumer products, you know, you and I could, uh, you know, elaborate on all of the, the the challenges that we face on a on a daily basis. Yeah, you you have to be extremely bold um, to do to do. I, I always say people think we we when I'm talking about it, I talk oh because I'm in CPG so I do focus more and my attention's there and a lot of the topics are driven around it. But it is any business like I'm here in the Bay Area, California. Like I have tech buddies and all that. Like it's not any easier over there. It sucks over there too, right? Like. It, the, the ones that that win are, again, the ones that have the ability to go the last miles. And those miles are way, way out there. They're not anywhere. You know, it's it's not it's not only it's not two years, three years down the line. Now, again, all the other pieces to that, much of which people don't talk enough about is, well, how do I get those miles? Like, well, you need capital, you need access to it, you need access to more of it, you need access to more. Like, the, people really like to like shun that for some reason, like they don't talk enough about it. Um, and, and, and there are reasons why many of the ones are able to even get out there because that's really what they had was access to capital. I sure. can call out multiple brands where their products sucked um, they hire, they, okay. Yeah. They hire bad. They, but, but they got the extra miles afforded to them because they had access to capital. And yes, yeah. I'm one to admit that sucks. Like that's just how life is. Um, it's an unfair game. I call it the hand you were dealt. Um, it, it's just, it's the reality that we live in. Um, I went there because I had to, anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, walk us through then. So where are you now? Like, um, I'm going to see you tomorrow or next couple days here at Exit West, but like, where are you now as far as a company? I know David, um, shout out, we'll get to the collaboration that we're doing and we'll talk briefly about it, blah, blah, blah. But what are you guys doing right now to, to sort of stabilize the business? It's very murky out there. We all know that. Like, what are the core tendencies to the business today? Yeah, look, you know, it, it's interesting. We, um, two things. One, I, I think in the wake of some of these big food movements that we've had over the past, call it decade, paleo and keto and mm -hmm. 
carnivore and you could kind of go down this list right and you know i think there will always be uh some sentiment in those movements they will always linger i think they've done a really they've, they've done a service a positive service for the food industry mm-hmm. at large i think in general um but in the wake of all of that people have become are becoming more and more aware of you know the the, the sourcing of where their meat and poultry and eggs come from uh, I think people are more aware of the ingredient panels and how to read them and what food, you know, what these things mean. Uh, and I think people are becoming very, very keen on the impact of sugar uh, in our diet and in everyday foods. And so what's left in the wake of that for us, we, we, we think it's, you know, it's low sugar, right? So I think positioning the brand and making sure that we're communicating to the consumer in a way they understand and they also feel included. Sometimes some of these terms, you know, the term paleo, you know, someone might feel like that's, they don't fully understand it. And so maybe they shouldn't try that product. And so they kind of shy away. And so I think it's like, look, you know, we got to make sure that we're messaging and meeting the consumer where they are and what they're ready to hear. And sort of, we've always been a low sugar brand, but we've never stood on it really, really proudly as a pillar because we said things like paleo or whole 30 or whatever it might be. And I think that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a portion of the consumer base that, that might be, um, I don't want to say turned off. That's the wrong word, but just maybe, maybe a little bit more fearful to interact with that positioning. So mm-hmm. from, from the first answer to your question is, is we've kind of repositioned how we think about, you know, holistically how we think about the brand and how we message that to consumers. But Mark, for the past, you know, um, past couple of years, the, the, the two big things that we've done is we've shored up our online presence, you know, making sure that, you know, in the, in, in the, in sort of the, the peak of the, of the COVID um, cycle, we, we had a presence and we could meet the consumers who wanted to shop online and didn't go into stores anymore. And so we really had to like invest heavily time, energy, money, resources, people into those channels. That's one thing. And then two, we spent the last year and a half rationalizing SKUs. We just, we just realized that, you know, we went very wide, very quickly. We, you know, grew our assortment um, across multiple categories, which we still have. However, we had to get really clear about, you know, what poses the biggest supply chain risks, you know, what it has the, the, the most margin impact to the business. And, and then what, you know, what are consumers resonating with the most? And so there were hard decisions we had to make products that I'm emotionally attached to that we said, hey, look, you know what, today, this just doesn't make sense to sort of keep, we need to dedicate all of our resources and concentrate them on the best selling items that we have and making sure that, you know, they're given the appropriate uh, time and energy. And so I, I think, you know, last year we cut 12 products and there's probably another half a dozen or so slated in the first half of this year. So call it 18 SKUs out of our portfolio. And that's, that's you know, pushing towards, you know, 40% of the portfolio uh, in the past year and a half. And that, that kind of cleans it up for us quite a bit. I, I, that's a great answer, by the way. Uh, those are two good uh, points. And the latter one is, is, is super important. There's some brands who are still very, very, very small as far as uh, maybe just not only size, but also SKU count, which is great. Stay there. Those that have like yes. three SKUs, it's like such a wonderful place to build a business around. Um, yes. Even for us, we, we just cut we cut our cereal line. Like um, it, we, we, we made those hard choices and are continuing to, and I'm still, we're struggling. Like, we don't know if we're going to make it. Like we're very, people know I'm very transparent. I don't know if we're going to make it. We're like <laughs> hanging by a string here, but I do know that while I'm trying to hang on here, right. I'm still doing all those things that you need that need to get done. Like, yeah. and so it's, it's so that it kind of all meets in the middle. Like if we do hang on and are, I do find that correct financing, We've done those other things like skew rationalization um, and diving deep into the things that are actually working for you, which aren't just working for you. Let's just say turn rates, velocity and things like that. But um, the the things that your response by customers, you know, like like actual 
valid response by customers, consistency and response. I love that product. I, you know, and it's said multiple times. And and then and then the financial piece, the unit economics, like does that does that have margin? Because um, yeah. it, it, it does suck to say this. There might be a product that you, you think has legs, but if it doesn't have the unit economics, it, yep. it just doesn't work. Um, yep. I, we can go on for days. So let, yeah. Take, take us out. Take, take us out on your side. And, you know. Well, it's, you know, someone asked me that recently. They said, uh, I actually did an interview with, with my buddy Ray at Taste Radio, and we had a really, really good discussion. Maybe one of my favorite discussions of all time. And, and he, he was talking about sort of this, this prevalence in conversation around um, profitability for emerging brands and how it's become, you know, so important suddenly. And, you know, my comment back to Ray was, you know, it's, it's not that it's suddenly important. I think good business fundamentals have always been important. <laughs> I don't know where, you know, good unit economics ever became like this idea that you just, you just deal with later. Mm -hmm. um, and like, it's always been important. Maybe sometimes, you know, you know, bright eyed entrepreneurs get really excited and want to launch something and just think that it will, you know, eventually work itself out with some economies of scale, but that's rarely, rarely the case. And so I just think that, you know, sometimes being able to take a really hard, realistic look at yourself and your brand and the things that you make uh, is really important. COVID gave everybody the ability to pause and do that. And if we didn't do that, then I think we missed. Um, and so, you know, for us, we wanted to fully leverage the moment where we said, hey, all right, look, we're gonna make 45 SKUs, you know, and, and this is all over the place. And there's some really good things. And we had to, you know, we had to sacrifice growth. And we had to sacrifice like, you know, lapping the prior year and some of those things, because you're all of a sudden cutting, you know, 10 or 12 SKUs that, that represent for us, you know, seven figures, you know, and then suddenly it's like, you know, you have to make sure you're still up and all these things. So it's hard to do, no matter if you're at three SKUs or 30 or 100. Um, but I, I think that good business fundamentals, you know, have never been out of style or, you know, they, they've never, it's not like they're suddenly in vogue. It's, they've, they've always been here and we should always have been practicing them. Agreed. Yeah, I agreed. On the back of it, it's, it's, I've been saying, we all knew that for the last, I've been doing this seven years. We've, I have known it. Everybody's known it. We just haven't, we haven't acted on it properly. And so now this new tidal wave of, of, of rhetoric is coming up. Oh yeah. Uh, I, we could talk about that. For this. Uh, here's a fun one, everybody. Uh, Cause we're, we went longer because I like your story and I think there's really great stuff in there that people are going to get. Um, sorry. Uh, no, it's beautiful. No, Noble made. I want organics collaboration, Buffalo ranch. By the time this comes out, which I'm going to, maybe we'll, we'll earmark this right at, at the beginning of, of April, which is roughly winning, um, collaboration, Buffalo ranch sticks, d d d delicious. I don't know what that was. I just had it. I had it. I had to get set up for that. Uh, and it will be <laughs> exclusive at sprouts nationally. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. I was going to do bang, bang three times just because it felt so, it was bang, bang. Okay. Uh, Feels right. Jason Burke, uh, that was epic. Uh, we're moving over. Alex, sunshine. Like you said, Jason, I'm staring at the sunshine. Northern <laughs> California, go dubs. I said it again. Anyway, uh, it's Rising <laughs> Suns Agency, two-minute elevator pitch. Here we go. Yeah. So my quick elevator pitch to you guys is, so I have a background in corporate sales and I actually dated an influencer five years ago. And on the side, I was helping her do like her press events, her Instagram growth. 
um, all of her brand sponsorships. And I just decided to start my own agency in 2019 on a whim. As always, somebody who wanted to be an entrepreneur, as always someone who looked up to Jerry Maguire and wanted to be a sports agent. I felt that in the modern day, that influencer marketing was kind of like the modern version of Jerry Maguire and being an influencer agent. So I went out on my own on a whim, started my own boutique influencer marketing agency. And essentially, I'm connecting influencers to brands. And, you know, one of the things that I'm most proud about in my space right now is that I think everybody that participates and not just the influencer agents and the influencers, but the brands as well, are partaking in this marketing channel that's such an early adoption phase. So if you look at any part of advertising right now, everything else kind of has like a long history, like billboards or newspapers or radios, whoever you want to advertise. But influencer marketing is like a decade old. Like So for me, what's so interesting about my job and my industry is we're constantly shaping the narrative around it. We're basically determining what's really you know considered effective and not effective. And as someone as a chess player, I'm always looking at, you know, as a, and a business owner, as what's considered to be the, the essential ingredients of making an influencer marketing partnership successful. Um, I've done so many, I've done over 225 brand deals and I've worked with so many founders, especially small to mid-sized brands in food and bev. And, you know, I've always had a hard time, you know, sending a quote for, you know, $10,000 for a post if they're, you know, not generating even close to the number of sales. So I've always come from a place of empathy and not just learning about the products, but the business strategy as well and making sure that it's economical and scalable and, you know, everything that you guys have shared and all the pain points is, you know, taking a chance on starting a brand. I really want to make sure that I'm delivering, you know, value proposition in my space. And, um, you know, I love what I do every day. I love, I've enjoyed this podcast so much and you having me on this, it's been a privilege. So, um, and learning from you guys. So, um, my, it's my company, Ryzen's Agency. And I hope that's in a two minute span. I'm sorry if I went over. It was beautiful. I was going to go deep on the dating of the influencer. I had like four yeah. things. I was going to fire them <laughs> off. I, I've been, I'm so mature now. I'm just yeah. mature. I'm at a different level, you know, where I'm at in my you know, life right now. So I'm leaving it alone. And I'm just, you know, we're going to, we're going to close this out beautifully. Uh, Alex Sunshine's info, Jason Burke's info. Appreciate you both being on. Jason, I'll see you uh, this week. See you, man. Thank you.